You're listening to Live Free Creative, an intentional podcast with practical tips for living your life on purpose. I'm your host, Miranda Anderson, and I believe in creativity, adventure, curiosity, and the magic of small moments. I hope that every time you listen, you feel empowered and free to live the life that you want. there, friends. Welcome back to the show. You're listening to episode number 246 of Live Free Creative Podcast. Today, I begin a fun mini-series for the rest of the month. I actually aired this same mini-series during the first season of the podcast back in 2019, around Mother's Day, and the focus was on getting back to the basics. What are some of our physical, mental, and spiritual needs that may not be met? And the series functions as a reintroduction to just some basics of well-being. It was really popular back then. It's continued to be popular over the last five seasons of the show. And because I am heading out on vacation and trying to spend some time with my family away from my screen, hopefully, for at least a few weeks this summer, I'm digging out some favorites from the archives, including this mini-series that's going to air starting this week, talking about physical health. Next week, we'll dive into mental well-being, mental health, and the following week will be all about your spiritual health, reclaiming your spirituality. The final week of the mini-series will be about routines and rhythms and rituals, and then I will dive back in with some guests as we get heading into August. So a lot to look forward to in the summertime. A great time to get back to basics. These are all easy listens. You can listen on the go when you're sitting by the pool, whether you're on a road trip with your family or doing dishes or laundry at home. Any time, any place. Hopefully the show gives you a little bit of uplift, teaches you something new. And if you've been a longtime listener and it's been four years since you've heard these episodes, I hope that you'll continue to listen. Tune in again. They're just as relevant and valuable and valid today as they were back then. Maybe even more so after the years that we've all been through. One thing that I think is kind of hilarious that I'll just give a call out to is that my voice changed a little bit in the summer of 2021 because I had a paralyzed vocal cord for a few months that required some surgical intervention. And while I have recovered enough to be able to speak clearly and somewhat normally, uh, my voice definitely changed a little bit. So you'll you'll probably notice a difference between the introduction of the show, my voice has a little bit more gravel than it did before, and the uh, encore episodes themselves just thought I'd acknowledge that there is sort of an odd, I guess, growing up that happened as I endured that very unexpected medical issue a couple years ago. To kick off this week's episode, I want to share a quick pause for a poem. Your lungs fill and spread themselves, wings of pink blood, and your bones empty themselves and become hollow. When you breathe in, you'll lift like a balloon, and your heart is light, too, and huge, beating with pure joy, pure helium. The sun's white winds blow through you. There is nothing above you. You see the earth now as an oval jewel, radiant and sea blue with love. It's only in dreams you can do this. Waking, your heart is a shaken fist. A fine dust clogs the air you breathe in. The sun's a hot copper weight pressing straight down on the thick pink rind of your skull. It's always the moment just before gunshot. You try and try to rise, but you cannot. Margaret Atwood, flying inside your own body. Isn't that a cool, poignant description of the feeling of flying in your dreams? Where everything is light and you're able to just buoy up into the sky and see the ground below you. And then you wake up and realize that you are in your bed and you can't get yourself off of the ground. Beautiful poem about our bodies. And that's what we're going to talk about today. 
This episode originally aired as episode number 38, way back in 2019. I think it's still as relevant and important as it was then, and I want to make one small addition. In this episode, I'm going to talk through three aspects of taking care of your physical health. I talk through sleep, through nutrition, and about healing, getting regular checkups, and I'll share some of my own healing uh, experiences. One thing that I think is really important to mention as part of physical health as well is movement, mindful, intentional movement. I've shared about it a few different times over the years of the show. My favorite episode about movement is all about walking, just taking a walk a day, allowing yourself to be outside, to get your heart rate up, to be in the sunshine or the rain, whatever it may be outside weather-wise. Movement is an integral part of taking care of our physical bodies. And regardless of the limitations that you may face with your body, there are adaptations and there are ways that you can get some intentional movement in on a regular basis. Now, one of my favorite studies about movement during school this last year was all about how the best way to maintain a physical movement it called that the study called it exercise, but I'm just going to go with movement. I feel like it's a little bit more approachable to talk about moving your body than exercising. The study was about how the best way to have a habit of movement is to do movement that you enjoy, not do something because of how it makes you feel later, although that is helpful, knowing that you can be motivated by the endorphins or you know by the way you feel after you've gotten up and gone on a walk or a run or to the gym. Choose movement that you like doing while you're doing it. That's the best way to stay to stay with it, to, to have a routine and a ritual of regular movement in your life. One of my favorite things to do is go on a hike and be outside and I get to leave my phone aside and commune with nature. You could call it forest bathing. I'm usually out in a forest because I live in Virginia. There's lots of forests around. I get a twofer because I often take my dogs with me and they get to go run wild while I have some time spent in nature when I'm moving my body because I'm on a walk or a hike. I think of this more as a nature experience than as an experience of physical movement, but it's both. And the reason that I think of it more of as this nature experience and this adventure is because I'm enjoying every aspect of it. If you like to hike, if you like to walk, if you like to ride your bike or ride a scooter or go on a skateboard, or if you like to garden, or if you like to play sports, swim, uh, play tennis, there's so many different ways that we can move our bodies. And I think oftentimes we get caught, especially as adults, thinking that there's a right way to do it, that we need a specific gym membership or a certain piece of equipment or even the right outfit. I will mention I, I updated a couple of my exercise outfits a couple weeks ago, and it, it did help me <laughs> feel motivated to have a couple cute outfits. So I won't discount that. I mean, it was useful. I needed them. It had been years since I had gotten some new exercise clothes. So it was really fun to get a couple new outfits. And I feel motivated. I personally love CrossFit. I started doing it a, almost two years ago and it's, I love it while I'm doing it. It's hard, but that's part of the fun for me. There's a great community at my gym, CrossFit Addict. And I, I really appreciate the experience as it's happening, as well as the overall benefit of moving my body regularly. So just before I share this episode about taking care of your physical health, I had to add in a shout out for physical movement, moving your body on a regular basis, and finding a way to do it that you like, that you enjoy, so that you can stick with it. With that extra bonus tip, I'm going to turn you over to my past self to share all about taking care of and mothering your physical health at the beginning of this summer mini-series. Enjoy. I want to talk today about mothering the mothers. And I want to start by inviting you to remember yourself as a child, how you were looked after by your own mother, by your teachers, by maybe a friendly neighbor or a wonderful nanny. What did those people do for you? Everything, right? They made sure that you were fed, that you were clothed, that you got enough sleep at night. 
You probably had a curfew when you were a teenager. You probably had a bedtime when you were a child. You were invited to go to school and to learn and to develop yourself. And every step of the way, there was someone looking out for you. I can still hear some of the things that my mom would tell me about making sure that I was eating a vegetable or getting enough sleep so that I wouldn't be cranky or grumpy the next day. She made sure that I was bathed and made sure my hair was done and sometimes would do it in these really fun braids and put flowers in it for May Day. It's one of my favorite memories. When I was sick, my mom, who was a nurse, would make sure that I had saltines and Gatorade or Sprite and come check on me and take my temperature and make sure that I was getting the rest that I needed to feel better. And when I was sick or injured with things that required medical attention, she made sure that I got to the doctor and that I was taken care of, that the follow-ups were completed and that I was whole at the end of my treatment. There's usually some in-between years when you're kind of out of the direct care of your mother or that mother figure and you're learning to take care of yourself. And some of us learned that better than others. Some of us ate well when given the option. Some of us got enough sleep. I would venture not a lot of us, though, during some of those college years. And you sort of start to figure it out, how to take care of yourself, meet your needs, and you know, get to the doctor when you're sick, or impose a curfew on yourself when you were tired. And then these women, us, you, me, we become mothers. Some of us in a traditional sense, where we actually have a child in our arms that we need to take care of. And for me, it was at that moment that I became a mother to someone other than myself, that I needed to take care of this little person and then the next little person and then the next little person and put their needs all the time ahead of my own. And what this looked like for a lot of my young motherhood was that I was super sleep deprived that I never sat down to eat a meal, that I didn't always know exactly what I wanted to be doing or how to take care of my own needs and the needs of my child. This is a definite paradox. It's an age-old question, I'm sure, although some cultures tend to have it a little bit more right than others, I think. In Western culture, mothers are given their children and sent home and invited to figure it out. And if you're chronically sleep deprived, then welcome to the club. And if you haven't eaten a real meal, you've eaten goldfish and leftover apple juice boxes, sips here and there before you toss them into the garbage can, well, guess what? That's life. And when your health is suffering because of some of the wounds incurred during the very act of becoming a mother, then you must have done something right because the rest of us are feeling the exact same way. Now, I don't want to be a downer, <laughs> even though I'm kind of going there. What I want to do in this episode is to encourage. I want to encourage you and to remind you that you need to mother yourself. That if you are a mother, traditionally or not traditionally or not yet, that you get to be responsible for loving and caring for yourself the way that you do for your children. How do you mother them? How did your mother mother you? Take all of that positive and remind yourself that you need mothering. All of us do. In today's episode, I want to dive into a little more detail on three specific aspects of mothering ourselves when it comes to physical health. One of them is going to be sleep, one of them is going to be food or eating and taking care of our own injuries or illnesses, including, I'm going to share specifically about some of the wounds of childbirth that I realized just a few weeks ago that I am still needing help to recover from. So let's start with sleep. Women, we need to sleep. I just read a fascinating article that was entitled something like, why are we torturing the mothers? And it went specifically into how sleep deprivation has been widely recognized 
as a form of torture. We're talking about real torture, like torturing terrorists type of torture. Keeping people awake night after night after night is not safe and it's not healthy. Yet so many of us accept this as part of what it means to have children. I remember in nursing school, one of my professors told us that if you got less than eight hours of sleep at night, your judgment level the next day would be like someone with a blood alcohol level that would be convicted of a DUI. I don't know the specifics of what that exactly percentage-wise looks like. But so she would, one of the questions on her exams was, did you get eight hours of sleep last night? And it was a graded question. I mean, I guess you could have been dishonest if you hadn't, but she cared so much about us getting enough sleep so that we could operate on our fullest ability that she added it to her nursing school tests for points. In the article that I referred to that I will link in the show notes at livefreecreative.co slash podcast, it talked about how chronic sleep deprivation means that you are up consistently, not getting enough sleep consistently, and not able to recover from your sleep debt. I love that term, sleep debt. Who is going to advocate for you to get that sleep? That's my question. Who is mothering the mothers? The answer, most likely, is that no one is. And so you have got to do it for yourself. You have got to tell someone that you need help. If you have a young baby that's still waking up to eat in the middle of the night, this may look like taking some extra work to have your partner pitch in and do some of the night feedings. Maybe that means learning to give the baby a bottle. Maybe it looks like rather than trying to get everything else done and bounce back to normal as soon as possible once that baby's born, that you really take it seriously to sleep during the day and find someone to help with the laundry or hand that job over to your partner for the first couple months. Accept every single offer for help that people give you. So often I've seen young mothers who say, I've got it all together. I've got it figured out. I can handle this. And yet they're not sleeping and they're not eating. We have to advocate for ourselves. And when someone offers help, say yes. And if no one is offering, then ask. Once your kids get a little bit older, it becomes a little bit easier to get a good night's sleep. Yet I can still be guilty of not getting the sleep I need by choice because I'm working on a project or I get involved watching Netflix or something else and I'm not protecting my sleep. I'm not mothering myself. What would my mom say if I imagine myself right now as still being her daughter in the way that she was looking out for me as fully as she was when I was younger, she would invite me to go to sleep because she would tell me I need my sleep so that I can be fully aware, fully functional, and have all of the coping that I need and the patience and the joy to embrace the next day and whatever it might bring. How many of you find yourselves overtired? Not because the kids got you up all night, but because you simply didn't go to bed. You have to mother yourself. This goes as much for people who have their own children in the home as for people who don't have children or who have, don't have children living at home anymore. We are responsible for taking care of our own sleep and protecting it. I am learning to be better at this. For years, I can't tell you how many years, I told myself that I was a person who didn't need a lot of sleep. I would go to bed at like three in the morning after putting the kids to sleep and then sewing or working on a blog project until the wee hours of the morning. And then I'd groggily climb into bed, go to sleep and wake up at six to go running with my running group and then get the kids ready for school and start the day all over again. Would be so what felt like high functioning, but then when something, little things sometimes went wrong, I kind of felt like, oh, I couldn't cope or I would be less patient than I wanted to be. 
both with myself and with my kids and with other people. I wasn't as creative because I felt exhausted. When we don't get sleep, we don't function properly. Now, I want to make this as practical as possible. And I know that some of you have scenarios that feel hard to overcome, whether it's young babies at home or kids that are still getting up in the middle of the night or just worry or anxiety, or maybe you work a night job and you have a hard time putting yourself to bed during the day. I can't address every single circumstance and I wouldn't have all the right answers anyway because our lives are so different. But what I want to invite you to do is to consider how you can advocate for yourself. How can you solve the sleep problem? How can you ensure that you are mothering your own sleep, that you're taking care of yourself with the same love and tenderness that you do your own children? I know that there are solutions and I know that you can figure it out. If you need help for figuring out a babysitter or talking to your partner about sharing some of the load when it comes to sleep, he may say that he needs to be alert for work all night and that's true but you also need to be alert for taking care of those children and taking care of yourself. So maybe if you get up all week that you could sleep on Friday night and sleep in to your heart's content on Saturday. And maybe for a season, this means not doing all of the other things that you want to do so that you can sleep. Maybe not doing that project, not saying yes to that responsibility because sleep is valuable, it's important, and you need to be the one who makes sure that you're getting enough. Okay, number two, let's talk about eating. You guys can see where this is going. It's the same thing. I laugh thinking about even this morning, even as I have been considering this and pondering on it and getting ready to share this episode, I was making breakfast for my kids. They usually have scrambled eggs, fresh backyard eggs, and toast in the morning, or sometimes oatmeal. We have like a hearty breakfast. My kids don't go to school until a little bit later, so we have a lot more time, which is nice in the morning to have a a nice breakfast. So Elliot made the scrambled eggs while I was putting toast in the toaster, and I poured some chocolate milk, and then I put plates in front of each of the kids, and I had a plate for myself, but I started to pick it up to eat it as I was standing so that I could put away dishes from the dishwasher as I was going to do that. And I remembered that I was about to sit down and record this episode where I was going to advise you to mother yourself when it came to your eating habits, to sit down and enjoy an actual meal, to not just grab handfuls here and there and tell yourself that you're too busy or you have too much going on to take care of the way that you eat. And so I sat down with my kids It took five minutes. It wasn't like an hour-long leisurely brunch. I sat down in the chair and I chatted with my kids as I ate my eggs and I ate my toast and I took a few deep breaths. The dishes are going to be there. They're going to be there. Mothering ourselves when it comes to eating means aligning our actions with our values. Like I shared and Natalie Norton shared in that episode a few back, Aligning our actions with our values means we know the way that we would like to eat. We know what's healthy. We know everyone's eating habits are a little different. What you like to eat, what times you like to eat, those sorts of things. And I think it looks a little different for for everyone. But you know what feels right for you. But how often do you actually do that? Do you eat the way that you tell your children to? I know that I always tell my encourage my kids to choose a vegetable at each of their meals or to eat until they feel satisfied and not not eat anymore or if they get home from school and have an after school snack and an hour later they're hungry again but dinner's almost ready I say why don't we wait a few minutes and we can eat dinner then while I'm not I don't think I'm overbearing I consistently coach my kids around eating habits I want them to have a positive relationship with food I want them to feel comfortable making choices. I want them to eat when they're hungry and not overeat. I don't want them to use food as an emotional trigger or buffer, even though we all do that to some extent sometimes. (laughs) Do I do those same things for myself? This is just an invitation for you to ponder. How would you treat yourself if you were your own child? 
that's what mothering the mothers is all about. It's flipping the script a little bit and recognizing that we, as mothers, need someone to take care of us. And that person is ourself. We need to advocate for ourself. You will know what your own challenges are surrounding food. Maybe you feel like you're doing great on this one. Maybe you eat healthy foods, the kind that you know nourish your body. You sit down for a couple meals a day. You enjoy your food, chewing it slowly and tasting all of the wonderful sensations that come with eating. If you've got this one nailed, then great. Maybe there's someone around that needs a little bit of help. If you're making a fresh, wonderful dinner every night or a few nights a week, and once in a while you could double batch it and give some to someone in need, someone in your neighborhood, someone in your congregation at church, someone at school who just had a baby. We need to take care of ourselves when it comes to meals. And this is also a really, really fun one where we are able to easily take care of others. When you're eating properly, nutritiously, you feel more balanced. Hormonally and emotionally, you're able to think properly. You're able to have the energy that you need to accomplish the tasks at hand. I often think about that acronym HALT, Hungry, Angry, Lonely, Tired. There's a reason that hungry is first on that, I think. I can definitely be hangry. I mean, Dave jokes with me about that. And Plum has just entered this phase where she will get just like so emotional about little tiny things. And as soon as she she kind of goes off and starts crying about something silly, like, you know, my shoe buckle came undone and just like, oh, the water works. And Dave and I look at each other. She's hungry. We know right off. And she doesn't know that she's hungry, but we can tell by the way that she's acting by the way that it's manifesting in her emotional state that she's hungry. And we get her something to eat, we get her a snack or we have a meal, and she's back to her pleasant, totally wonderful self. Raise your hand if you relate. I know that I'm that way. When I feel especially overwhelmed, it's usually because I'm hungry. And after I sit down and have a handful of almonds or a bowl full of chocolate ice cream, whatever the case may be, I usually am able to feel a little bit better. Sometimes it's just taking that break and sometimes your body actually needs food. You have a low blood sugar. Nothing's working properly. You need to feed yourself more than just leftover snacks or fast food in order to feel the way that you want to feel. I wanna give you a quick challenge with this one. I don't know if everyone has a problem with sitting down to eat their meals like I do, but I know breakfast and lunch are tricky for me. We all sit together as a family at dinner but I will often eat breakfast or lunch on the go as I'm heading to work or as I'm running errands and have a quick RX bar in the car. I want to challenge you every day this week from today until whatever day of the week you're listening on next week to eat all of your meals seated, sitting down and enjoying them. And maybe as a bonus, putting your phone aside and just eating treating eating itself like an activity like that is important enough to matter to have space set aside for it i am excited to do this and i'm going to share when i do on instagram so you can check that out at live free miranda and i invite you to share as well maybe i'll make a hashtag for a challenge and say take a seat to eat something like that that's a good one actually So look for that. But I think even just the act of taking a seat to eat, because I'm going to run with that now that I came up with it, that creates the space where we actually then are thoughtful about the meal. And then maybe we're not just grabbing a bag of potato chips or not that there's anything wrong with potato chips. I'm not going to tell you what to eat because number one, I'm not totally qualified for that. Even though I did work as a diabetes educator and nutritionist for five years, I I'm not going to approach that. (laughs) And also, because you know better than anyone else. And so uh, I think just creating the space by sitting down and having your meals can be really helpful. I tell my kids this too. I mean, here's another thing. Mothering the mothers, I'll tell my kids, just sit down and eat and then you can go play. Don't take your popsicle stick out on the trampoline. (laughs) 
(laughs) Just sit down and have your meal and enjoy it. So let's try to do that together, okay? Who's with me? Finally, let me talk about healing ourselves physically from injury or trauma. Specifically, I'm going to talk about wounds of childbirth. But before I get there, I want to just advocate as a healthcare professional, I'm just going to pull the nurse card a little bit, even though I'm a registered nurse. I haven't worked as a nurse for about five years, but I am educated as a nurse. I have a current license as a nurse, and I just have to advocate as a healthcare professional that we need to be taking care of our health. When was the last time you saw a doctor for a physical? When was the last time you had blood work done? Are you keeping up with your breast exams? Do you see a dentist? Are you taking care of your oral health? All of these things that we know that our parents did for us as we were growing up are the things that we now have to do for ourselves. It sometimes is referred to as adulting, making a doctor's appointment for an annual exam. That's adulting, friends. That's also mothering. That's thoughtfully caring for yourself and your body and your health. And I know as well as anyone that the healthcare system can feel very complicated and everyone's financial and insurance situations are very different. And so you will know best for yourself. But I have to recommend that you keep up, keep on top of having a medical home. That means having a provider that is aware of you and has your history somewhere so that if something does happen, that you know where to go. Okay, now I know I had a lot of questions and interest about my current struggle with the wounds of my own childbearing years in the form of diastasis recti, which is the separation of my abs that happened during my pregnancies, and um, a weak pelvic floor. If you haven't heard of either of these things and you have had children, then chances are you want to inform yourself because both of these things affect everyone who carries a child to, to term. Uh, The stretching that happens during pregnancy naturally separates our abdominal muscles to some degree. And in some people, they're able to easily come back together. And in a lot of people, about 40% of women who carry a baby to term, those muscles don't come back together on their own. And in fact, they, they, they can't really. I mean, unfortunately, because of the tissue involved, the muscles will not naturally come back together after that point. A permanent solution for that is surgery, but it's not covered by insurance and it's considered a cosmetic surgery. The secondary treatment, which can be as helpful but has to be maintained for the long term, is physical therapy. Learning the specific exercises that you need to know to strengthen the layers of muscle that surround your core, including your pelvic floor. So let me just back up for a second and tell you my experience. I had Milo and had a fairly straightforward pregnancy. I gained a lot of weight, but I don't know that that was unusual. And then I had him vaginally and I tore a little bit and had some stitches and then was sent home and had my six-week follow-up. They said everything's looking good. And then that was that. A couple years later, I had Elliot. And again, I had a I had a hard pregnancy, but physically, uh, I, you know, gained a lot of weight. I had this big belly. My back was sore, (laughs) kind of textbook pregnancy. And then he was born and I was repaired and I was sent home and went on my merry way. And then I was pregnant with Plum and I gained even more weight with Plum because she was 11 days late and I had a natural childbirth with her, natural vaginal childbirth. By the way, in case you are a childbirth person and you want to know more about my birth stories, I just have to call out that I did record them with the birth hour, and I will link all of those episodes in the show notes in case you're interested. I go into lots of detail. Um, But so Plum was a natural water birth, and her delivery was uncomplicated, and I delivered her in a birthing center at about 6 o'clock in the morning, And by 8 o'clock in the morning, I was back home in my own bed, recovering. 
that's very fast, <laughs> faster than even the couple days that you get in the hospital. Um, but I was happy with that, and my mom was there to take care of me, as she was with all of my pregnancies. I was super lucky to have my mom. We didn't live in town, and she came into town, and she took care of me, took care of the baby, did the laundry, did the dishes, really just took over for a week. And then Dave's mom came in turn and did the same thing for another week. And then we really were just on our own. At my six-week follow-up with Plum, I noted that you know my, my belly was still big the way that it is after you have a baby. And the doctor noted that I did have a large separation this is what's called diastasis recti. It's the separation between your outer abdominal muscles. And she recommended that I see my primary care doctor to decide what we wanted to do moving forward. And so I went then to my primary care doctor, and she told me that the only way to repair that type of deep wound was with surgery. And then she explained a little bit about what the surgery entailed and told me that I needed to be definitely sure that I was done having kids by then because the way that it's done binds your apps together so that then you're, you can no longer expand them to accommodate another pregnancy. So although I was mentally done having kids, I, it just felt really early to make that decision. And so I decided to wait. Five years is what I decided to wait to see how I felt about it, and that I could decide whether surgery was going to be the right option in five years. So fast forward, I'm recovering and healing and, and feeling okay. Actually, I took it a lot slower with Plum than I had with any of the boys and really soaked in her, her infancy and her babyhood. And I didn't try to get back to exercising as quickly. And I didn't try to bounce back. I just really soaked in knowing that I needed time to heal and I needed time to feel better and feel a little bit more like myself. And I'm glad that I did that. Then we moved and I didn't really have a reason to see uh, an OBGYN because I wasn't planning on having any more babies. And so it took a while. But one thing that was kind of persistent and lingering from, pre from Plum's pregnancy was that I had this lower back pain, just kind of a dull ache. It wasn't ever sharp. It didn't feel like I was dying. I just kind of hurt all the time. And I always would kind of laugh it off and say, oh, I'm just getting old. I feel like an old woman. I have this consistent lower back pain. And it was really kind of annoying. And some days it felt better. And some weeks it felt really bad, like a lot worse. And so I tried a few different things. And I tried yoga. And I tried um, a heating pad and a few different things. And it could feel better for a time, but it was just persistent. At the same time, I had learned a little bit more about diastasis recti and seen that there were some online programs that uh, encouraged pelvic floor recovery and abdominal support specifically for diastasis recti. And so I did one of these programs and I did six weeks of exercises and I felt like I was doing it right and doing it well. And I noticed some improvement in the way that my abs felt, like I felt like they were getting a little stronger. And so I thought I was doing it and I was really proud of myself. <laughs> and I also learned about some of the things that you're not supposed to do, like running and weightlifting and things that are hard on that particular condition. And so I had stopped those things for a while. But after I did this exercise program, I thought, gosh, I feel pretty good. And I didn't really know how else to exercise because running and weightlifting is kind of what I've always done and what I enjoy. And so I started back up. You probably know that a few weeks ago I ran a half marathon and I had been training for that for weeks and felt really good about it. Uh, in fact, two weeks before I ran the half marathon, I had made an appointment to see an OBGYN just to check in because it had been a couple years and I felt like it might be time to, like I was talking about earlier, advocate for myself and just do my regular checkup. I should mention that it's recommended to do an annual exam with an OBGYN if you are of childbearing age. So a couple years was even stretching it. I hadn't gone in a while. And one of the things that I mentioned in my checkup was that I had this persistent back pain and the doctor diagnosed again my diastasis recti and she said you know the first thing that I want to do is send you to physical therapy because even if you do end up getting surgery physical therapy is the first place to start so let's do physical therapy first and then 
we can talk about surgery down the line. I was sent to specifically maternal health physical therapy. So this is not just a regular physical therapist that I would have gone to, you know, like when I hurt my knee skiing and tore my meniscus when I was in my 20s and I spent six months doing exercises at an orthopedic physical therapist. This is not the same thing. This practice of physical therapy specializes in maternal health. They specialize specifically in the muscles and ligaments and bones surrounding the pelvic floor and the abdomen and the back, all of the places that are affected by childbearing and childbirth. This is their specialty. I actually didn't know really what to expect, and so I went in and was surprised when I was asked to put on a gown, and they explained to me that they were going to do an external exam, and that on my next visit, they would do an internal exam because the pelvic floor muscles are deep, and you can't assess them from the outside, which is probably part of why so many women go without noticing or understanding that there is something wrong. They handed me a packet and it talked about all of the things that the symptoms of pelvic floor dysfunction and of abdominal dysfunction that we call normal motherhood, like peeing a little bit when you laugh or having persistent lower back pain or abdominal pain or that little mama pooch that doesn't seem to go away no matter how much you diet or how much you exercise, that kind of badge of motherhood, all of those things are not normal. Those things are not healthy post-baby years. Those are all symptoms of a deeper problem, of something that is actually happening that can be healed within yourself. I'll be honest, I was very overwhelmed and a little bit emotional when I realized that this issue that I thought I had kind of overcome and taken care of myself through the little exercise programs and getting really fit and healthy, that I, in fact, still have quite a wound from my childbearing years. My abs are very separated and my pelvic floor is very weak. And these are all things that need to be taken care of. They need to be healed the way that they're going to be healed for me right now is by doing physical therapy. And I'm going weekly and sometimes twice a week. I've had a lot of people when I reached out and shared about this on Instagram, a lot of people asked if I could share the exercises that they're giving me or things like that. And the truth is it's just so individual. They're tailoring the exercises every visit to my body and my progress. And the other thing that has been really tricky and why I recommend that you need to mother yourself if you have had children yourself physically, that you probably need to see a physical therapist. You probably should have seen one right after childbirth, like is part of the postpartum care in every single other developing country except for America. The issues that you may have with your post-childbearing body are going to be different than the ones that I have. And so just sharing the exercises that are sort of cut and dry for me might not be the ones that work for you. I, at my last visit, asked my physical therapist what she would recommend to women who have had babies and maybe didn't have any follow-up care. And this is the reality of the wounds of childbearing and childbirth. They are not recognized. They're invisible. We carry bodies inside our bodies for nine to 10 months and we get them out <laughs> either by squeezing them through our tissues and muscles or by going under the scalpel and having them extracted through major surgery and then we're sent home and we put all of our care and focus on taking care of that little infant and we need to do that. We need to take care of our babies but moms, we also need to take care of ourselves. Who mothers the mothers? We have to. My physical therapist, who's wonderful and was so passionate, shared with me that in every single developing country, excepting the United States, there is a built-in postpartum care that includes physical therapy, sometimes lasting up to six months. Of course, we know that in lots of other countries, there's a lot more care given to families in terms of maternity leave and paternity leave and all of those things. But specifically regarding a mother's health post-childbirth, 
there is so much that can be done and it's kind of a blind spot in our healthcare system. I felt really kind of betrayed, not only by the doctors who had watched out for me and I saw midwives, I saw incredible women who supported me all through my pregnancies and then kind of dropped the ball at the end. And I didn't know enough to support myself. During one of my appointments, I, I left and I called Dave and I was crying because <laughs> it's been kind of emotional. And I, I told him, I am a white, middle-class, highly educated college graduate who is also a nurse and had worked for years as a healthcare professional. If I don't know this stuff, if I've never heard about how to take care of myself after I have a baby, and I have all of these privileges, how is there hope for anyone else? Anyone who circumstantially doesn't have the same benefits of understanding or of education or of access to healthcare? And this is why I felt really called to share this message, not only about these specific wounds that we incur, childbearing and childbirth, but also just generally about how our health matters too. Your health matters too. Taking care of yourself matters. You need to mother yourself and love yourself and think of yourself and care for yourself as you do your children. My physical therapist also went on to share that in third world countries or, or not as developed countries, they don't have the same maybe built-in system for postpartum care and physical therapy that there are in other developed countries, but that culturally there is a natural community surrounding the mother. Sometimes sisters and aunts and neighbors and members of the community will come sit in and basically move in and live with the young mother so someone can take care of the baby and everyone else can take care of the mom. And they'll feed her and bathe her and clothe her and help her rest and help her exercise and make sure that her body is healing properly. All of the things that you would do for your child if your child went through such a traumatic event, a major surgery or a, you know, a body-changing circumstance like childbearing and childbirth, what would you do for your child after going through major, major bodily trauma, you would sit with him or her. You would care for them. You would feed them. You would let them rest. You would create a situation in which they could heal. You would make sure that that child had access to therapy and to doctors and to follow-up and to specialists and to whatever they needed in order to heal, in order to become whole, it was incredible for me to hear this therapist tell me that all of the symptoms that we call normal after childbirth are not. They don't have to be. You don't have to live feeling like you have been permanently damaged by the bearing and birthing of your kids. She shared that some women come in in their 40s and 50s. Their kids grown and they have problems that stem back to 20 years before or 15 years before when they had their children and they never took the time to care for themselves. She said that sometimes during menopause, which is you know this natural part of a woman's hormonal journey, that all of the things that are unresolved in childbirth will come back to haunt you. <laughs> and by then it's a lot harder to take care of them because you're not as young and your body doesn't bounce back quite as easily. So to finish this episode, <laughs> I want to invite you in whatever stage you are to mother yourself and your physical health, to take care of your sleep, to take care of yourself and eat, and to take care of your own physical health, including, as the case may be, the wounds of childbearing and childbirth. The best way to assess and take care of that last one is to see specifically a maternal health physical therapist, someone who is trained specifically in caring for and healing your 
inner workings as a mom. Depending on your situation and your insurance or lack thereof, you may need a referral from an OBGYN. You also may be able to just reach out to one directly and go see them. I know with my insurance, I, I did happen to get a referral, but with my insurance, I could have just called and made an appointment myself. When I shared about this on Instagram, like I mentioned, I had literally hundreds of women reach out to me to share their stories and how they feel like something has been wrong for years and now they might have an idea of what it is. And so if in sharing these ideas, more of you will have the permission that you need to take care of yourself, to mother yourself, then I am more than happy to be sharing my own experience. There we are, friends. Take care of your physical health. Move, sleep, eat, heal. I thought it was funny as I was listening back and shared about my pelvic floor healing. Uh, Just this month, I am back working with a physical therapist on additional pelvic floor strengthening exercises and core healing. I'm still not quite there. It's gonna be an ongoing process. And so just another shout out, even years later, this is something that I'm coming back to and reminding myself that it is worth it for me to continue to heal my body uh, and take care of myself. I hope that you feel entitled to do the same in your life. I hope you've enjoyed this first of the mini-series that's happening this month on the show. Tune in next week to hear all about your mental health, the following, your spiritual health, and on we go. Have a wonderful week. I'll chat with you again next time. Bye-bye. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.